The following program is brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment. Welcome to an hour of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Unleash your inner chef and go on a true culinary exploration this morning. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio. You've tuned in to KFWB News Talk 980, and we're bringing you fresh ingredients, recipes, and kitchen wisdom from celebrity chefs, authors, and culinary experts. The birds are chirping, the flowers are blooming. It is no doubt spring, and we are celebrating the holidays of the season and making spring a little bit sweeter, serving up seconds at chefjamie.com c-h-e-f-j-a-m-i-e.com and on facebook and twitter at chef jamie gwen we're glad to have you with us this hour so wake up dig in and improve your life one meal at a time we thought we would kick off this hour with a conversation about a celebration of strawberries and the top 10 ways to use strawberries because just this past week lana those strawberries that i brought you from the farmer's market were overwhelmingly Delicious. Oh, they were red all the way through and every bite was perfect. They were. And I actually came upon them at the farmer's market when the aroma wafted past me as I was walking past that particular farmer's booth. These were really delectable strawberries and we're seeing a very sweet season. So we thought that we would bring a little sweetness to your spring and share the top 10 ways to use them. So if you want to kick us off, Lana, I love all the ideas that you can use both sweet and savory breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert. Well, let's start off with making jam, of course. Yes, that that seems only appropriate. Uh, I love strawberry jam, but I love flavors combined. What are your thoughts? I love to add basil and mint to strawberry jam. Yeah, nice. See, that herbaceousness adds a whole new level of flavor. And then you could consider some of the spices that are um, so uh, in vogue, I guess you would say today, but um, coriander, um, ginger, also a lovely combination with fruit if you're making jam to throw in a piece of Melissa's candy ginger as it's cooking for just that subtle, sweet, spicy undertone in the back bite, but lots of flavor profiles. And you make refrigerator jam, which makes mm-hmm. it so super simple. Very quick and easy. And also don't forget to add rhubarb. We're entering rhubarb season. Yes. And then how about um, lime zest or orange zest or lemon zest too? So you get a little bit of that citrus, a bright, beautiful flavor. Okay, number two, top 10 ways to use strawberries. Oh, in your smoothie, of course. Yes, I was thinking a strawberry flax smoothie for later this morning. So um, flaxseed meal, low-fat Greek yogurt or the non-fat Greek yogurt, um, sweet strawberries. Uh, I think it makes uh, the perfect morning smoothie. And then by the way, um, you could make a boozy smoothie or plan for boozy strawberry milkshakes as long as we're on the liquid portion of top 10 uses for strawberries and make a, a boozy strawberry milkshake for dessert tonight after mm. Sunday supper, vanilla ice cream, fresh strawberries, a little bit of almond extract, and then a splash of your favorite liqueur. Mm. I, I find that the concentrated flavor of overripe ripe strawberries makes an especially flavorful smoothie. Yes, I agree. Okay, moving on, more wonderful ways to use the sweet strawberries of the season. How about a quick bread? Oh, that's nice. A banana bread, 
with strawberries in it? Sure. Or, I mean, you could go just a, a traditional pound cake, like, mm-hmm. um, what you know, an all-butter pound cake. And then when you put in half the batter instead of all the batter at the bottom of the pan, you pause for a layer of sliced strawberries. This works for cupcakes and muffins as well. It's how I make my strawberry muffins. You just put a layer of macerated strawberries, which, by the way, macerating just bringing out the the juiciness of the strawberries by adding a little bit of sugar. You can add liquid if you like, like a, a liqueur. You could add extract or otherwise. But just sugaring the strawberries a little bit allows them to leach their natural liquid and you get strawberries and strawberry juice in a bowl of sliced strawberries that then makes for a fabulous filling for a quick mm, bread. For a crumble or a cobbler or a pie. Oh, I love that idea. And it doesn't have to be a traditional crumble. What were you and I reading of late that said something to the effect of you can make a soup Super quick crumble by using cornflakes mixed with uh, melted butter and sugar as mm-hmm. the topping. Talk about textural heaven there. And that's a really simple cobbler, a throw together. And then you had mentioned for the kids, what, Fruit Loops? Yes. That's fun. <laughs> I like the colorful. That's very Easter, Looks by the great way. great on top. Yeah, very Easter topping. So um, Don't forget to make a sauce for your pancakes or sundaes. Yes. And then sauce-wise, you could go sweet or savory. Because you and I had talked about um, strawberries as a complement to lamb or even pork. It might be a, a, a really nice idea to make a simple glaze with the strawberries um, and then glaze a rack of lamb. Ooh, like oh, strawberry nice. balsamic, oh. by the way. Oh. Perfect with meat. <gasps> and let's do a salad dressing out of that. Okay, I like that idea too. So strawberry puree, if you have leftover overripe strawberries that are uh, certainly not attractive enough to serve in any fashion, slice them up into a salad or serve them out on top of a dessert, then you puree them and you make strawberry puree. And be sure to strain it so you take out all those little teeny annoying strawberry seeds, especially in a puree. Mm -hmm. Um, They become very cumbersome. And then you use that strawberry puree as the base for your vinaigrette with a little bit of white wine or champagne vinegar, a little bit of Dijon mustard, freshly ground cracked black pepper or white pepper, um, a little bit of uh, maple syrup or honey if it needs the sweetness, and then olive oil or a combination of Mediterranean oil blend like you're using now, Mm, um, mm -hmm. which you like very much, right? I do. Olive, grapeseed, and canola canola combined. Yes, nice combination. Yeah, very neutral too. Yes. That's a great salad dressing for a, a garden or an organic green salad for Easter brunch. Oh, lovely. Strawberry dressing. Lovely. Ooh, and sliced strawberries and toasted hazelnuts and crumbled goat cheese. Uh, That's and, my salad oh, plan. Perfect. Oh, perfect. Perfect plan for salad. Uh, uh, let's take that blended uh, strawberry puree and make fruit leather out of it. Okay. I love that idea. I never met anybody who didn't like fruit leather. And I love to watch an adult eat fruit leather off of a piece of parchment paper standing in the kitchen. That's always <laughs> fun. It's very easy to make. You take a fruit, uh, your favorite fruit. It could be any berry, but strawberries mm-hmm. in particular. And you puree them in the food processor or the blender with sugar um, and just a couple drops of lemon juice. It'll keep it bright and the color from oxidizing or changing during the cooking process. It does get darker as you uh as you yes, bake. it turns out very dark. Yes, and yeah. the water evaporates and from the heat of the oven as well. But you cook it in a pot until it's very thick. It takes like about a half an hour, that puree. And then you spread it on a parchment paper lined cookie or baking sheet. Or a silpat. Right, you could use silpat mat in a 
in a thin, even layer, right? And then you, at a 200 degree Fahrenheit oven, you let it slowly dehydrate, essentially, and the water evaporates. Until it's leather-like. Right. And then you take it out and cool it and cut Mm -hmm. the parchment or cut the fruit leather and roll it up and then keep it airtight. Lasts a week or at least two Mm -hmm. um, on the counter. And you had mentioned using your dehydrator. Yes. Yes, if you have one. Which is a super simple way to do it as well. It's wonderful. And let's not forget chocolate dipped strawberries. Well, how could we? That would seem wrong. Um, I love chocolate dipped strawberries because I think that they lend themselves to toppings galore. Nothing is just simply a chocolate dipped strawberry anymore. So pull out like the toffee bits, the toasted almonds, the sprinkles for the kids, make toasted coconut. And before you set the chocolate dipped strawberry on your baking sheet to harden or set roll them in your favorite topping and make like decadent all out chocolate dip strawberries. I like that idea. Yeah. And I think the secret is wiping them very dry as well as then refrigerating them. That is the secret to getting the chocolate to stick to it. Yes. And we talk about tempering a lot on this show and it's most important. And by the way, at chefjamie.com, there's a tempering piece, a suggestion under think like a chef so that you can temper the chocolate so that it turns out glossy and lovely when it sets and the refrigerator is a great tool. And um, the last on our list of uses for spring strawberries is popsicles oh I love a popsicle and I love the idea of popsicles for the kids and popsicles for the adults so you can make that strawberry puree into a popsicle if you have a popsicle maker or you could use um, the paper or disposable cups with a stick in them Um, and to make your own popsicles then you peel off the wax lined paper cup and if you're serving uh, this spring or summer to an entertaining clan uh, of friends and family take the popsicle turn it upside down with the stick sticking out of a big huge wine goblet and then pour prosecco or cava or your favorite sparkling wine over it and as the popsicle melts it infuses into the prosecco and then you can suck on the popsicle you can infuse your uh, your bubbly I think that's a wonderful thing to serve to uh, to an adult clan so I love that idea lots of wonderful ways to use up strawberries and recipes galore by the way at chefjamie.com you'll find lots of good stuff things you won't want to miss on the website this week in fact it's our think like a chef feature and it's all about macaroons uh, we should talk about the two different styles of macaroons right because mm. there are macaroons and macarons but we love macaroons both kinds right (laughs) and um, if you think of sweet lumps of shredded coconut with a golden crust then you know a coconut macaroon or if you think of vibrantly colored airy meringue sandwiches that the French refer to as a macaron then they have similar names they look and taste different but just know that they have a very similar past they're actually traced back to Italy in fact Um, but it was the European Jewish community that made the coconut version version ever popular and we love a coconut macaroon for Passover which begins tomorrow night Um, and the substitute by the way for a macaroon kosher for Passover and I think this is brilliant Lana is sweetened condensed milk is Mm -hmm. the traditional binder Mm -hmm. but you're going to use cream of coconut if you're making Passover kosher you know kosher Mm -hmm. macaroons essentially Mm -hmm. it's a a great substitute for dairy yes it's perfect and with Easter coming up make your macaroon uh, like a thumbprint cookie Oh, where you push an imprint and push it in, in the center, middle, right? And then fill the middle after they have baked with Nutella and some spring-colored uh, M and M's. Oh, sure. 
Or you could use the eggs, mm-hmm. like, you know, and then you could, is it almost like a bird's nest? Mm-hmm. Oh, those, those would be beautiful. I yes. love that idea. What else you got on macaroons? Oh, chocolate dip macaroons are always wonderful. Yeah, that's right up uh, your alley. Put a cherry in the middle of them, mm. uh, add some lime and lime zest uh, to the coconut batter. Uh, add cranberry and almonds nice. to the batter. Oh, I love that. There's so much to do with them. We've posted the best recipes for both uh, a coconut macaroon, super simple, and a French macaroon, which takes just a little bit of practice with a piping bag um, to learn to make the rounds or the, the circles. But we know you can master it. It's our Think Like a Chef feature at chefjamie.com. So please check it out. You'll also find the weekly dish. It's Mediterranean baked eggs and ham cups this week. It's a really wonderful brunch idea and perfect for the Easter celebration. I've got something sweet posted, a cub, a cocktail you'll love. This has to be our most popular cocktail, Lana. It's the fluffy tail cocktail. (laughs) It only happens once a year. I love the name. But it's when you perch a peep on the edge of your martini glass. There is nothing like a peep in your martini, so check it out. Plus, I love the Cook with Lana recipe this week. Um, Very restaurant-inspired, in fact, right? Uh, Cauliflower couscous ground up florets of cauliflower made to resemble couscous Mm -hmm. great textural uh composition right put your florets right in your cuisinart and and, uh, don't go too far but until they're very tiny quick side dish Mm -hmm. great side salad good dinner party conversation. Mm-hmm. Speaking of dinner party conversation, have you seen the specials at Smart and Final lately? Coming up later in the hour, I'm going to share with you the best price I've ever seen on chicken leg quarters and a recipe you won't want to miss for Sunday supper tonight. Smart and Final stores all throughout Southern California. More info to follow. But stay tuned because there's more fabulous food in your radio as well. Coming up, he is Michael Jordan, our resident sommelier. The master is here with his best pairings for Passover and Easter. Plus, she cooks seriously simple. Diane Worthington is sharing her best inspiration. And Judy Bart Kansagor is celebrating Passover with her menu for 2014. Stay tuned. We're all about putting the dish together. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. We'll be right back. A bottle of red. A bottle of white. It all depends upon your appetite. We're celebrating the virtues of spring. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. Spring is no doubt a transitional season for wines. And since it's all about weight, not color... That's really the crucial factor in selecting bottles this season. We like to choose wines that appeal to the mind and the heart and, of course, the taste buds. And they're always food-driven. So with spring here, we welcome back our resident sommelier. The master is in the house. He's Michael Jordan, the sommelier for the people and the director of global accounts for Jackson Family Fine Wines. He is our resident wine expert, and we are pairing the top Five food and wine matches for spring as we celebrate Passover and Easter. Welcome back. Hi, MJ. Hi, and thanks for having (laughs) me on with you. Okay, let's talk about Passover first, if we could, because kosher wine has come a long way. Passover begins tomorrow, Monday night, and... I think that over the years, it has proven that kosher wines don't have to be drank solely by those observing a Jewish holiday because kosher wines are produced almost everywhere now. You know, that's true. In fact, I think people are drinking 
kosher wines and they don't even know they're kosher wines because they just happen to be wineries here or there all throughout the world. I mean, there's some pretty tremendous names and wineries that are up in the upper echelon of great winemakers, for sure. They have improved so vastly over the years. It's quite incredible. I think so, too. And of every varietal, Michael, you know, it used to be that we would drink sweet red wine, period. And that was it, right? You filled the Kiddush cup multiple times, depending upon the Jewish holiday for Passover four at minimum. I talked last week, Michael, about incorporating wine into all of our dishes for a Passover menu to try to elevate that aspect of wine for Passover. And that includes white, red, even rosé when it comes to kosher wines. And in fact, Lana, you had found a tremendous sparkling, if I'm not mistaken, um, that was perfect for Passover, in fact. And I thought it was pretty impressive, coming from a pretty big name, in fact. Yes, Michael and I have discussed this. Laurent Perrier, the Cuvée Rosé Brut. Oh, my Laurent Perrier makes some fabulous champagne. And you know, that's an incredible bottle of wine. And you know there's another champagne producer, Palmerie. These two are two of the great champagne producers in Champagne. Hmm. And they, they happen to be kosher wine. That's impressive. How about the Chardonnays or any of uh, the Riojas out of uh, Spain? Well, yeah, a great call. Capcanes in Spain is a producer, but you have also Sauvignon Blancs from New Zealand. Mm. And one of the greatest Chateau of Bordeaux wine that I really love to drink, it's pretty reasonably priced considering, is Chateau Lioville Poifere. It's also a, a kosher sure. wine, and, and it's, mm-hmm. a, it's an, an amazing red Bordeaux wine that of, of great notoriety. Do you think it would pair well with Lana's um, very famous and infamous Passover brisket? Lots of caramelized oh. onions, really rich depth of flavor, Michael, and yeah. better the next day on a sandwich if you would <laughs> like to come over. But we have to use matzah. There's no bread for the holiday. Sorry. That's okay. I'm, I'm down with that. And I want, it on, I want to have the sandwich. Can I come this the day after? Oh, that's okay. what I thought. Yes, definitely. <laughs> How did I know? And we'll have to open up a new bottle. I I think that's a good plan. Um, I'd like to talk spring and Easter sort of in conjunction together and share with you my top five food picks for the season and ask you to pair along with them. Sound fair? Awesome. Okay, very good. Um, Everything lamb this season, whether it's a grilled leg of lamb, rosemary, fresh mint, good olive oil, splash of vermouth, boneless, spread out on the grill, smoky, Mm. fabulous flavor, or even heartier lamb shanks that lend themselves very well to Passover. So many different styles and varieties of preparation itself, but lamb is quintessential spring. I love this, and Mm. I have two grapes, and the reason I get to get away with two grapes instead of just only one is because they're commonly blended together, Syrah Mm -hmm. and Grenache. So we're going to give everybody the freedom to say, well, could be a Grenache-based wine with Syrah blended in, could be a Syrah with with no Grenache, but you know, whether your Grenache is from the Southern Rhone or from Australia... Uh, I think you're going to have these really beautiful, pretty red fruit, you know, almost strawberry jam-like aromas, and then plum flavor and stewed fruit flavors that go so well with lamb. Mm. And if you're taking a Syrah, whether it's from the Northern Rhone, from California, or from Australia, uh, known as Shiraz down there, you're going to have a perfect pairing with lamb. I don't care how you're preparing it. 
Unless it's got a ton of hot chili pepper on it, it's great with red wine and Syrah or Grenache are the way to go. I agree. And that really lends itself to the introduction for this conversation, which is spring wines to me are about weight, the weight of the wine, not particularly the varietal. So you wouldn't go Cab Sauve and a big, heavy, berry rich, but something more complex like Syrah will work with any lamb preparation, like you mentioned. And then we go from lamb to ham, please. And I think an interesting challenge when it comes to pairing, because that salty, briny, composition is often talked about with being very difficult to cut through, right? And so we oftentimes go straight to bubbles. You know, that's true. And as we've talked about in the past, it can really have a bad effect on some red wines and make them taste a little tinny. Mm -hmm. So I suggest wines with great acidity. We've talked about delicious rosé wines, dry rosé wines with ham, and that is really a way to go. And as you were talking about your brute rosé, all right, the Laurent Perrier Brut Rosé, that would be an amazing glass of wine with a, a ham. But you can also use Zinfandel. And I want to suggest Pinot Noir Rosé, Rosé wine made from Pinot Noir grapes. Right. There's Lucia from Gary Pozzoni and, and his family, where money goes to breast cancer research. Even La Crema is making a rosé of Pinot Noir now from Russian River Valley, uh, Sonoma Coast area. A very well-known and much-loved label. Yeah, and there are so many dry rosés from France, from Spain, even from Italy uh, out there in the marketplace. That Mm. I I mean, I know we talk about rosé a bit, so I want to kind of not spend too much time on it. But with a ham, a Zinfandel um, certainly will work. A a dry rosé will work. Pinot Noir will work. And... Try a Grenache. We were talking about Grenache. I think that works with the ham, too. Hmm. I love the versatility that you bring to wine pairing. That's why you're the sommelier for the people. Hmm. I'm also very proud to have trained under you. But when you realize how diverse the offerings are, then it's easier to pair with your own dishes. By the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late. The master is in the house. Michael Jordan is here, and we're talking wines for spring, and we're pairing for your upcoming holiday and celebratory menus. Last but not least, one of the things we know and love, of course, is the bounty of spring vegetables, whether you're at the farmer's market or your grocery store. Asparagus, sugar snap peas, you mentioned spring peas, makes me think pasta primavera, some light, see, I'm speaking to an Italian, I just got you, some light, lovely noodle, right? And then all the veggies of the season, I think, interestingly enough, though, the pairing could be slightly cliche, only because I mentioned asparagus, and yep. I worry that that might be one of the top three most challenging pairings there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Asparagus is the toughest thing in the vegetable world or almost any world. So uh, grassy, for, so for green. But if you don't have too much of it in the dish, if it's mm. not just completely based on asparagus and you have other vegetables in there, as long as you have enough acidity and you have a nice white wine that has beautiful acidity, you could even go with a red wine if you've got like a cream-based uh, like cream-based sauce. But if you're going with your beautiful oil and garlic and all of those vegetables and maybe some little bit of caramelization and some sweetness of onions and whatnot, you can go with a suave made from garganega from the Ooh. north of Italy. You could go with a fiano grape from southern Italy, or certainly you could go with Chardonnay. I mean, I would just not use one that has too much oak on it. I would use something a little less on the oak and butter on that style of a dish Mm -hmm. because you want some refreshing, crisp notes in the wine. 
I think the suave is a wonderful suggestion, certainly to create uh, culinary conversation at the table, right? Oh, yeah. I think Easter and Passover are food lovers' dreams because they're certainly top holidays, aside from Thanksgiving and Christmas, where everyone knows there is food and there is wine. And so we toast you, Michael. Thank you for always sharing wine knowledge that is palatable and understandable and, and certainly with beautiful suggestions and great advice every time. Thank you, oh, thank you. Chef Jamie, Miss Lana, yeah. thank you both so much. I wish you a very, very happy Easter, happy holidays. And, and uh, share your wine with others, you know, because as I always say, it makes it more delicious. Yeah, there's no doubt. He is Master Sommelier Michael Jordan, also known as the Sommelier for the People. He is also uh, the Global Director for Jackson Family Fine Wines. Uh, in fact, a, a beautiful repertoire of wines as well. And you will continue to hear him here monthly. If you have a question, what should I pair with that? You can always email us and we'll make sure that we get an answer from the master for you live, L-I-V-E at chefjamie.com. There's more food and wine because it's divine right after this. Please don't go away. We're heating it up in your radio every Sunday with grand guests and chef's tips to make your dishes come alive with flavor. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana. Lon considered an expert on California and contemporary American cuisine. We are great Diane Worthington fans. She is the author of 20 cookbooks, had an award-winning radio show, is a food and travel writer, a nationally syndicated columnist for Tribune Media Services, and was the former editor-in-chief of Epicurus.com. She is a two-time James Beard Award winner, and she cooks seriously simple dishes that are fabulously full of flavor. She's our resident entertaining expert, we like to call her, and we're so glad she's back to dish on the upcoming holidays of Passover and Easter seriously simply right diane so glad to have you back right that's the time right (laughs) yes us three girls getting together to talk food is always a blast so yes so much fun with you particularly with you two thank you and um and we're always excited when all three of us can share the virtues and the beauty of a meal for a jewish holiday Mm -hmm. so um all of us celebrating passover starting tomorrow night Right, the 14th, and um, a very happy Pesach to you. Mm-hmm. And to you as well. Thank you. And the virtues of brisket are many. Yes, oh. that's true. You know, we haven't really talked enough about brisket this year, because I think for many, brisket is a daunting cut of meat, albeit a very inexpensive one. It needs long, slow cooking. It is one of the nine primal cuts, but you have to know what to buy. And exactly. I was always taught by Lana, Diane, you buy center cut, you buy center cut, you mm-hmm. buy center cut. Center cut, flat cut. Flat, flat cut, yes. No. Exactly. You don't want the fattier point. Right, mm-hmm. the end often called as well, the end yeah. cut. Yeah, and because you will just get a much fattier overall product at the end, result at mm-hmm. the end. Yes. Yes, exactly, yes. Lana. I mean, there's just when you go to the butcher, you explain to them or at your market that you, you'll look at it and you'll see that it's a flat cut with maybe a little bit of fat on the top, but mm-hmm. not a lot if they've trimmed it properly. 
and that's what you want to use. And they will weigh approximately four to five pounds, and they do shrink quite a bit. Oh, Boy, do they ever. Yes. Thank you. That's a good point. Significantly, in mm-hmm. fact. So if you want leftovers for matzo brisket sandwiches <laughs> piled with caramelized mm-hmm. onions, oh. you have to do what Lana does. You have to make two. That's but how right. do you make yours, Diane? A dish you with know, us on I brisket. I make different every year. I think that you said two things that are critically important. You must... Make sure you get the right cut, and you must make sure you cook it long and slow. Mm-hmm. Because if you cook it faster, you know, it's not tender. Right. It's mm-hmm. not. So I cook it a number of different ways. I will use lots of onions. I think that's the key. Loads. Loads. And the five, carrots. six onions yeah. cut yes. up, yeah. sauteed and on the bottom. Yeah. Now, do you saute them first? A little bit. Yeah. I do. Yeah, because For 10, 15 minutes. And exactly. And then I put, uh, yeah. and I, I brown the meat very thoroughly as yeah, well. Yeah, because I think that that really encourages the ultimate flavor and yes. the mention of the sauce. And you mm-hmm. have to, by the way. I would never recommend to any great cook that you start onions in a pot raw on their own. Even if I'm using my slow cooker, I always start with a saute, Diane, because you have to almost encourage the caramelization, you have to start it. You know what? That is a really important point you're making. Yeah, so that you get the tenderness and the flavor profile that you're looking for. The onions in my mom's brisket are almost better than the brisket. Yeah. Oh, God. Lana, what time? Anytime. Anytime. (laughs) And then another one is where you brown the onions, you brown the brisket, you put it back, and then on top of the brisket, you bread, sun-dried tomato uh, paste, or any kind of tomato paste, a thin layer. And this is an interesting thing. This comes from Knock Waxman. He's got a whole book on brisket. Mm-hmm. And he is from New York and owns the Kitchen of Letters and Sciences, which is the best cookbook collection you've ever seen in New York City. Mm. And his brisket, he cooks it halfway through with this tomato paste on top and the onions and the carrots and the, and the little bit of wine. The mirepoix, right. And mm-hmm. garlic. And then he slices it halfway through the baking process, takes it out, slices it, puts it back in a finished, whatever you're going to serve it in, and will finish it in the, with it already being sliced. That's what you do. Oh, well, I, but I cook it all the way. Yeah, you and does then it halfway, which is halfway. I put, I put it in the refrigerator. Overnight. I do, I do suggest to everyone, make your brisket the day before. It tastes much better the next day. I agree. And right. I think its moisture content and its mm-hmm. tenderness is greater the next day. And you can skim off the fat that rises exactly. to the top. Exactly. I think it's, a, it's kind of essential. Otherwise, it's very fatty. Most and you know what I do is I take the sauce and everything... And I put that in a separate plastic bag, and then the fat comes to the top. And then I take the brisket and separate that. Oh, that's smart. Um, and then, of course, you'll, you know, I don't know how you slicers. I use a uh, electric knife. Electric mm-hmm. knife. Yeah, oh, know, it works so well, doesn't it? Unless you had a chef that's a daughter. Yeah. Are you are you are you slicing it by hand, Jamie? I am the with, ultimate slicer with baby. her great knife skills. Of <laughs> course. Oh my goodness! I'm not that uh, good. I gotta admit. I think it adds to the flavor, Diane. Yes. Speaking of flavor, what yeah. a beautiful article released last week of yours in the Tribune with a French take on cafilta fish. Oh my God! I love this so much. I can't wait to make it. And just so you know, today Sunday, since I'm actually preparing Passover at my house. Oh. My fiance, Craig, will experience Passover with the family this year. How lovely. I would love to make your French take on cafilta fish and credit you, of course. So talk me through it, please. Well, what you want to do is you want to get some white fish puree, or you can get 
you know, a ground whitefish, mm-hmm. or you can do a mixture of whitefish, pike, and buffalo fish, which is the traditional gefilte fish. But here's what I do. I saute up about three carrots that are peeled and finely chopped and an onion that's chopped until they're almost caramelized, and then you cool them. Then I whisk three eggs and about a quarter cup of matzo meal and some chicken stock, three quarters of a cup. This will all be on your um, On the website, right. In fact, we've posted it at chefjamie.com. Yeah. So some eggs, matzo meal, chicken stock, and I whisk that together. Then I add the ground white fish. Salt, white pepper is essential for this, a tiniest pinch of sugar, and I mix it all together. I put it in a 9 by 5 two-and-a-half-inch loaf pan, which uh, usually I get a nonstick one. Rather than poaching gefilte fish, mm-hmm. you're you going to roast it. And you put it in a terrine like a French. That's, That's really smart. And then you bake it, and mm. I um, spritz Gorgeous. some lime juice and sprinkle it with paprika. Wait, it's gefilte <gasps> fish pâté. Yeah, oh, this is. Exactly. Look at the picture. It's exactly. absolutely fabulous. And then you bake it for about an hour, and then refrigerate it for tonight. And then tomorrow, you want to slice it into about three-quarter inch slices. Now, my girlfriend does not like to serve this at the table, so when everybody gets to the house for Passover... She serves it as an appetizer with some wine. No, oh, that's nice. Or you could serve oh, it with matzah, lovely. too. Yes. Well, matzah crackers sure. uh-huh. is what we use. And I, then I love beet horseradish. So I <gasps> use a... I love that. I can't wait to make prepared that. Prepared horseradish cream and you puree a couple oh. of cooked beets. And, oh. Okay. I mean, Fabulous I love it. together. Oh, yeah. I, I will wow. toast you. I will credit you, oh, goody, Diane. Goody. But, oh, you but know, know that you it will be on our table. Enjoy it. We've dished on Passover. Easter is a Sunday away. And for you know those, what? Yes. It's also my birthday. <gasps> Happy birthday to you. Wow. On Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. Sunday. Happy birthday. Thank you. We, and I'm not going to, I'm hopefully, my uh, daughter and my husband are going to cook for me. Oh, oh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so whether it be a birthday celebration or an Easter <laughs> feast, we've talked a lot about Easter dinner, but we haven't touched enough on Easter brunch. My fave. I know. Mm-hmm. And we love brunch too. So I put together a menu from between your website and your book yes. that we thought would make the ultimate Easter celebration. Let's it starts hear. What off, would you okay, like to start with? A, a white wine frozen fruit spritzer. Oh my God, I'm telling you, this is, Perfect. it doesn't matter whether you're 22 or 92, everybody just loves this. And what it is, is just an inexpensive bottle of Viognier where you add some sparkling water and I add tangerine juice, which you can get at Trader Joe's or other Oh, and markets. beautiful tangerines mm-hmm. right now from Melissa's Produce, still in oh, season. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. And it must be fresh tangerine juice. Then I add some cranberry juice, or I'll add pomegranate juice, mint leaves, crushed ice, and then what I uh, do is add frozen strawberries. So, oh, um, isn't that smart? Yes. The spritzer is coming back, cool. by the way, and it keeps it cold instead of ice cubes watering it down, but the spritzer is becoming all the rage. Yeah, it's um, and lighter. It's the daytime, so you don't want to be smashed when you're driving home right. from your and brunch. You, know? you put enough fruit in it, and you can call it a, a sangria, as yes. you mention it, yes, uh, as reference it to. I, I think that it's a wonderful way to start the meal. We thought about a cold soup. Lana and I have been tiptoeing around cold soup because the rest of the country doesn't like us very much. Yeah, in Southern yeah. California, <laughs> we had an 80-degree week, but cold soup is a coming, and... 
There's a gazpacho piece that I really like on your website, dianeworthington.com, because it reminds me of the gazpacho that I grew up mm-hmm. uh, grew up with. Lana makes an extraordinary gazpacho, and it's very super simple because it's made in the blender. Well, the difference with this one is that it adds corn, right. kernels, and oh. some ripe avocado. Nice. Topped up. Oh, two of my favorites. And yes. croutons on top, and then a little uh, swirl of sour cream. It's definitely a winner. People always say, oh, my God. This is different, but it's so delicious. And it's super spring. And then what about the thyme and grayer egg puffs? Oh, my God. I mean, that is such a perfect thing for doing an Easter brunch because you you put them in literally in cupcake pans. You basically make this little mixture with eggs and gruyere and some scallions and uh, salt and pepper, and then you just bake them until they puff up. And I love to serve them with a sautéed cherry tomato uh, side because it's so pretty. Oh, how nice. We thought about finishing with the puff pastry almond fruit tarts that you make. Can I just tell you, this is my fallback dessert year-round, depending on what's out there. You take puff pastry, and you take little, you make them into little squares, and you put marzipan in the center, and you bake them with whatever fruit is on them, and then you just brush them with a little bit of apricot jam, and I often it's that put easy. pistachios on top. Oh, Four and ingredients. I'm you, it's... it's People just think, where do, what, what bakery is making this? <laughs> and you say, no, no, no. Yeah, I made them myself. It. And really, they were seriously simple. Stress-free simplicity meets elegant entertaining. She is the essential entertainer. And her guide to fabulous parties year-round can be found in Seriously Simple Parties, among 19 other books that Diane Worthington is known and loved for her award-winning collection of recipes, you can certainly learn more about it, dianeworthington.com, and you can find an excerpted recipe for celebrations for both Passover and Easter yep. posted at chefjamie.com. We always love having you. You have to come back. Happy home. holidays and happy birthday. Yes. Thank you very much. And, and a, to you as well. There's more fabulous food in your radio with grand guests. We do have the best, don't we? Right after this, don't go away. Bringing you all the flavor every Sunday, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio, planning a perfect Passover. You can entertain with ease with recipes for matzo ball soup and brisket and macaroons and haroset for your Seder because Judy Bart Kansagor is here, one of the best Jewish cooks we know, and her book, Cooking Jewish, is a testament to her passion and family talent. Judy started Cooking Jewish, her award-winning website and cookbook, as a family project. And it is now uh, truly a sought-after resource for wonderful Jewish recipes year-round. She is a freelance food writer, a columnist for the Orange County Register, a popular teacher of Jewish cooking and family life. And she speaks at synagogues and women's organizations along with cooking schools. She joins us live this year to share her Passover menu. And we're so glad to welcome you back, Judy. Hi there. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Okay, so uh, Passover once again. The year seems to go so fast when you judge it by the Passover holiday. (laughs) For those that know and love matzah, I wait for Passover every year to buy boxes of matzah. And Mm -hmm. I think every family and um, every good Jewish cook has a style of matzah that they prefer. Mm -hmm. And so, Judy, what do you eat? Well, I noticed that Manashevitz the last two years has been making thinner matzah Mm. and crunchier matzah. The only thing I would caution people, if you're using recipes as old as mine and you're making your matzo kugel, 
it might not weigh the same. You might have to add another board. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. You know, okay. Because the recipes change. And I found that testing the recipes for my book altogether, I was using a lot of very old recipes. Things used to come in 16-ounce boxes. They no longer do. They're 12 ounces. Okay. So, you know, a lot of these recipes have to change. Now, a lot of people have leftover haroset and they, oh, God forbid, throw it out. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Freeze your leftover haroset after Passover. You're baking a cake. It calls for applesauce. Use that. Oh, great idea. Oh, so smart. Ah. During Passover, put the haroset, leftover haroset, in your matzo brine. What could be bad? (gasps) Nuts. Sounds delicious. It would be delicious. Breakfast matzo brine. Except if you're my husband because he only likes salty matzo brine. Okay, and I love salty matzah. So yes. you're an egg matzah girl. We know mm. that. There is nothing better to me than finishing the box, box of matzah with a spread of good European salted butter. I knew you were going to say That's that. That's the oh. only, <laughs> only time I use salted butter is, is to spread matzah. it on matzah. I love yes. it. Okay, talk to us. Take us to entrees. What's on your menu this year? Um, it must be something rich and braised, I know, and that feeds a crowd. Right, and to tell you the truth, no matter what the holiday or whenever I'm having a big crowd, I only do dishes that I can do in advance. Mm. My mother used to make roast beef for company all the time. I have never made roast beef. I don't want to be bothered at the last minute worrying about this one wants well done, this one wants raw. No, I make something I can make in advance, and all these braised dishes can be frozen. This is the, my phone starts ringing right around this time with questions, and the most popular question is, can you freeze the brisket? Can you freeze the matzo kogel? You can freeze it all. Mm. No problem. So I love to make, and my family loves, the Moroccan spicy apricot lamb shanks. Mm. Now, it has a spice mixture that you make yourself with all these delicious aromatic spices. I will have to say, though, uh, that the very orthodox um, uh, people will not use some of these seeds. You know, strictly speaking, fennel seeds, coriander seeds might not be used. But they can make their own spice mixture or buy a pre-made spice mixture that is for Passover. Kosher for Passover, mm-hmm. right. Not, not that essential. I make, I double or triple the spice mix for this recipe because I have another recipe that I like to make sometimes for Passover. And depending upon the crowd, I might make both, uh, which is a chicken recipe. That also uses the same spice mixture. And this one in my book is called Sephardic Chicken with Olives and Honey. Mm. Now, can you rub this on a chicken the day before, a whole Uh, chicken? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, wouldn't that be good? Oh, I can just imagine the flavor. Oh, and I like it. I leave my chicken out now. I'm going to use your rub. And Uh it dries out the skin in the refrigerator. I put it in my garage uh, fridge. She's aging her own steaks, too, Judy. But that's (laughs) totally another conversation. I love the idea of this spice mix and making it in advance, yes. keeping it in the kitchen for seasoning at any time, giving it as a gift of food, maybe um, as a, a table setting for everyone to take home and capture the flavor of your Passover in their own cooking. I, I think that's a wonderful way to share the love. And then leave us with something sweet because um, cooking Jewish, as you say, Judy, is tradition, the heirloom recipes that are passed down through the generations. And you treasure your heritage by making the dishes that have uh, memories associated with them. And I know your sweets often have that uh, component to them. Right. Of course, there's my Aunt Estelle's Mile High Sponge Cake. Mm. Wouldn't be Passover without it. And interestingly, that recipe calls for only potato starch. 
Uh, there's no um, cake meal in it, mm. but it is high. It um, is high. He beat the heck out of those egg yolks, I will tell you that. <laughs> now, um, it, but I don't think they made it in the shtetl, but if I don't make chocolate-covered matzo toffee, that's the end. It's not Passover. Oh, matzo bark. simple recipe. And the thing that is so great about it is the kids can help you. The one in my book calls for making a toffee, which, you know, is just butter and brown sugar. Uh, you put the matzahs on your baking sheet, line it first, it'll make it a lot, your life a lot easier. You make this toffee mixture, you just heat it up quickly, roll it all over the top, sprinkle it with chocolate chips, let them melt a little bit and sprinkle. But if the kids want to join in, you can add sprinkles, you can do nuts, you can do all kinds of uh, decorative ways and they'll have a good time doing it. Oh, and they'll goodness. even love breaking it. Yeah, lots of sweet toppings, mm-hmm. for sure. How lovely. How lovely. My mother would always make a chiffon cake. Oh. Oh. Very, tra- very traditional yes. in the sponge style for yes. Passover. Okay. We love the beautiful traditions. We love the heritage, the food, the family. Um, and we don't think of one without the other like you don't, Judy. So we love that you're celebrating Passover menus inspired from Judy Bart Kansagor on her website with the companion cookbook as well, Cooking Jewish and cookingjewish.com. And we've excerpted a recipe with your permission, Judy, and posted it at chefjamie.com for those glorious Moroccan lamb shanks. Mm -hmm. And you can click through to order your copy and capture the essence of Passover from Judy's website direct from ours at chefjamie.com and cookingjewish.com. Judy, happy Pesach to you, to your family. Uh, We certainly wish you a, a sweet celebration, and we look forward to having you back on the radio again soon. Thanks. Thanks to both of you for having me. Of course. That brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. And we hope that we brought you lots of flavor this Sunday morning. A couple mentions most important. At Smart and Final this week, there is an incredible value on fresh chicken. The chicken leg quarters from First Street, their national brand, their private brand, is at 89 cents a pound. And now is the time to stock up. But if you're considering for Easter or for a crowd that's coming into town to celebrate or you're gathering friends together, I have a recipe for chicken with lemon, orzo, and olives that I think is the ultimate spring flavor. Mediterranean in style with orzo, actually in Italian it means barley, but in the U.S. it's a rice-shaped pasta. Lots of beautiful sweet lemons and Kalamata olives, garlic, chicken broth, all the good flavor of good quality olive oil. And all you do is pan sear the chicken leg quarters. You add them to a big Dutch oven or a braising pot and you add all the rest of the ingredients, including the orzo. Everything cooks for about 30 minutes with some good Greek oregano and you have fabulous flavor. So I've posted the recipe on my Facebook page at Chef Jamie Gwen. Find a Smart and Final store near you. Stock up on their First Street chicken leg quarters at 89 cents a pound. You'll see lots of great values at Smart and Final, the Smart and Final difference this week um, and let me know how your recipe turns out smart and final no doubt a great quality stores incredible quality ingredients and better than ever so check it out seeing uh, that this week has a national celebration lana i think we should start celebrating today so this coming wednesday is national eggs benedict day and I don't know about you, but I'm having a party. <laughs> well, there's nothing better than cutting into the first bite of Eggs Benedict. I happen to agree with you. And if you're an egg aficionado, 
then you know the temptation of eggs, Benedict. We have a piece on how to perfectly poach eggs at chefjamie.com. But I was thinking this morning, either the classic with a toasted English muffin and applewood smoked bacon and blender hollandaise, which is how I make mine, in the blender. Yes, it's just that easy. Or maybe a smoked salmon hollandaise with smoked salmon and a, a soft poached egg and then make dill hollandaise or even tarragon infused hollandaise like really herbaceous beautiful and then check this out there's a a restaurant in new york that's doing something called the mess for national eggs benedict day it's a buttermilk biscuits braised short ribs poached eggs and creole hollandaise baby so it could be breakfast or dinner national eggs benedict day coming up this wednesday let us know how you celebrate you can always email us live at chefjamie.com and here in south California. Uh, be sure to get your tickets for Uncork for Hope coming up, the big wine event that is hosted by Boys Towns, California. Board members, a really fabulous event in Orange County, California, coming up on May 4th. Check it out, boystown.org. We love giving back and we love toasting to the cause. And be sure to join us here next Sunday in your radio as the delicious conversation continues. We're all about living the best life and Spike Carlson and his building projects are going to make your backyard bar barbecues and your beautiful gardens even more delicious wait till you hear plus the italian vegetable cookbook reviewed and she's back carla hall we just couldn't get enough the host from the chew she's sharing her family easter so we'll meet you here next sunday right here in your radio until then at chefjamie.com c-h-e-f-j-a-m-i-e.com and of course i'm chef jamie gwen along with lana signing off until next sunday we hope you continue to eat well The preceding program has been brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment.